Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. I am your host Sue Barber. Today I am thrilled to have Linda Ugalo here who is a friend and co-author for my book group. And so we have been working together for a really long time, writing together and spending time just trying to get our books out into the world. And I just want to read a quick bio for you and then we'll get into some great conversation. So Linda is a speaking confidence coach with a groundbreaking approach to overcoming the fear of speaking. Formerly stricken with public speaking fear herself, she now helps business owners and corporate leaders to transform their experience of speaking from dread to delight, whether they speak online or on stage, in the media or in the meeting room. Linda holds a master's degree in expressive therapy and movement studies and has performed internationally for over three decades as a singer, bassist, percussionist, and principal dancer with the Women's World Music Group, Libana. She hosted the TV show podcast, Women Inspired, and is the author of the book, Delight in the Limelight, Overcome Your Fear of Being Seen and Realize Your Dreams. And I happen to have a copy right here. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show, Linda. Thanks for having me on, Sue. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you because we were on this journey of writing our books together and we spent many, many mornings together <laughs> writing words to get That's them out of the world. Done. So <laughs> it is little by little, right? So I'm just curious, we haven't talked for a little bit. How has it been going since you got your book published in September of last year? I find that having a book has given me more spine. So it's kind of this center core from which I I feel I can reach out from. So I've really been enjoying the feeling of having my book available and having had the feedback and the reviews and the people writing emails to me telling me how much it makes a difference in their lives. It allows me to feel even more motivated and excited to spread my, my methodology for helping people in this way that they suffer so much from. That maybe, you know, there's definitely a, a, a demographic of people who feel like my approach is something that's been missing from their life. Wow, isn't that amazing to hear that kind of feedback that you're changing yeah. the world in that way? I love that. So I've taken a few, you know, classes with you and I definitely just... Things you do are unexpected, honestly. Uh, you know, the, the way you, first of all, you make people feel very comfortable in the experience, which I think is key and the safety of that to help people move past that fear. Without that safety, they can't do that. But it, just the things, physical movement, things that you do in your workshops that we've done together, I, I just wasn't expecting that as part of it. So. You know, it's funny that you, you mentioned the physical movement because I've been running some uh, virtual trainings and companies and, you know, wondering what would it be like to introduce a little movement? And oh my gosh, it's like one of the favorite things that people I, I, get to do. I mean, they love other things too, but it, as you said, it's a surprise for them. And they're, 
they recognize, this is such a simple thing, but they recognize the shift of energy and state of being that happens even after 30 seconds mm -hmm. or a minute of moving to music. It's, it's really magical and it's powerful and it's totally underutilized. Oh, I agree. I was in a coaching thing uh, about a month ago and one of the things that they had us do was kind of really physically move in the space to take up more space and play bigger. Mm -hmm. And it was just a big aha moment for me of where I'm not doing that and where I could be doing more of that. So I totally agree with that. That's so fascinating to me. <laughs> yes. I know because, you know, we talk about taking up space in a theoretical manner, but it's an actual physical experience. And even if you're not moving like, like we can and whoever is listening can, just imagine taking up more space wherever you are right now. Like just extend your arms or extend your awareness and feel yourself connecting to the, the room or the environment around you in a bigger way. And it's tangible. Yes, it, it just changes the way that you show up, I think, in, in a yeah. big way. So yeah. there's a lot of books and speaking out there in the world. Why did you decide to write yours and how is yours different? I, I was struggling with public speaking myself. You know, this is something that I've been plagued by most of my life. Figured that you just had to manage it and push through it because there was no other alternative. So there was a time in my, my career about uh, in 2015 where I just got darn tired of being afraid. And the reason why was that I was live streaming every day. So if you're speaking once in a while, you, you figure, oh, I'm just going to prepare. I'm going to make my way through it. I'll get through it. But when you're doing something every day and you feel like you're having a pan attack, panic <laughs> attack on a daily basis, it gets wearing after a while. And I started to say, okay, I'm doing this, but gosh, it's been 10 weeks and I'm still, you know, having my racing heart and I don't like how it feels and I just want to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And and I figured out a way. I actually devised uh, a process for myself that within five days I was on the other side of my fear after feeling this anxiety for for my life. I was in my fifties at the time, so I was super excited, and I had been googling for for those ten weeks while I was feeling anxious, live streaming. I had been Googling for all kinds of help to get over it. And I heard all these great things like um, pretend your fear is excitement, which is a lovely thing. But if the dose of anxiety is big enough, yes. you know the difference between anxiety and excitement. Or um, pretend or mm -hmm. it's not about you, it's about your audience. I totally love that. I totally agree with it. But when you're having physical symptoms like I was having, it sure feels like it's about you. <laughs> Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. And then um, another one is feel the fear and do it anyway. Well, that was exactly what I was doing. And I just assumed that with time, I'd get over the hump with practice, with experience, I would build my confidence, but I didn't. And that's when I finally began to ask, well, what is this fear even about? Why do mm -hmm. I have this? What is it trying to say? And I discovered in that moment, these memories of feeling like I was going to be attacked and then realizing that I had been attacked as a kid. 
by my sisters who were jealous of me every time my mom said, why can't you girls be more like Linda? And then it was this duh moment. Of course I don't feel comfortable in front of the camera. Of course I don't feel comfortable in front of an audience, even though I've been a performer all those years. Because there was a part of me that, that remembered and was programmed to around the idea that it was risky to be the center of attention. Because every time my mom said that to my sisters, every time she put me on the pedestal, they would attack me. They'd kick me in the shins, call me stupid, tell me to shut up. And I really felt like my, by my being visible, they didn't love me. And I desperately wanted their love. So once I had this awareness of the fear that we have is not about not being practiced enough. Well, that obviously can be a fear if you're not prepared. That's anxiety provoking. But even when you are prepared and you have anxiety, no, that's a trigger for something pointing to an experience or messages from the past that led you to believe it's not safe to be seen. So once I, I realized that, and um, I can talk about more about this later, I, I knew I had to kind of resolve these things. I had to clear them away so they weren't active. Once I did that and, and was on the other side of the fear, I thought, oh my God, Nobody's talking about this. I, I've been Googling like daily or weekly <laughs> on how to manage my fear or get over my fear. And I hadn't come across anything like this. And I thought there, there, I'm sure there are other people who are struggling like me and that could benefit from this. So that's why I wrote the wow. book. And you were holding on to that for so many years and had no idea. Mm -hmm. I had no idea because I didn't know there was another way. I thought you just not white knuckle right? through it. Yeah. That's that's yeah. the way. That's and you just over time it gets better. And sometimes it does. Mm -hmm. You know, there are plenty of people who have been in Toastmasters for five years or whatever, and after five years they feel great. Well, actually I would take my five days. <laughs> over that for sure. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. Would would you say I'm just curious about this? You know, you said that you were a performer, right? For all of those years. And was it the difference of being by yourself in front of the camera versus being a part of a group? I think it was gradated for different experiences. So I'm a dancer originally. That's I did not associate myself as a singer until I joined mm. the group. As a dancer, I loved dancing. I love performing, but to tell you the truth, I was very self-conscious. Mm. So I always wondered, what did people think of me? Am I good enough? All that. So that it was like this, I think a lot of people can relate to this. That's how we feel a lot when we're speaking, yeah. right? We have the same worries. And it wasn't until I did my master's degree and I dove deep into this process called authentic movement, where you, you moved just following the impulses of your body and allowing them to kind of go where they want to go and be witnessed mm. by another person who is holding space. So you're both practicing non-judgment. And I, I did this practice and I taught it for like four days a week for seven years. Oh, so I wow. was deep into <laughs> it. And through that process, it didn't take me seven years, but through that process, I became completely at ease being seen in my movement. And that's after, you know, months of like covering myself with a uh, blanket and moving under the blanket because I didn't want to be seen. So you're, you can like play with that, that experience of 
not wanting to be seen, wanting to hide. It can be part of that process. And through that exploration and then being able to throw off the blanket and let myself be seen, I became very comfortable being seen. And so even when I traveled with my group to Bulgaria or India or Morocco, and there would be uh, national TV cameras on me, maybe six cameras, and I was with my eyes closed doing this trance dance, I felt like I was just in myself and allowing myself to be seen in a very comfortable way. So that was the first thing that was good. In terms of singing, I felt, um, yes, being in a group, it was helpful. I did do some solo performing at the beginning. And for some reason, I felt very confident. I actually lost my singing confidence about 10 years into performing. Wow. And in a very, very sad, <laughs> discouraging, a deep way. And, and it took me a long time to climb out. And in fact, I made a commitment to myself while I was writing my book that by the time it got published, I would use <laughs> all the tools in the book to help me overcome this fear I have of singing. So, which I feel like I, I really have. I still have more to do in terms of building my skills. But you know what was interesting? While I was in that place of fear, I could not build my skills very far. Oh, like it just held you back. It held me back. It's because I wouldn't let myself sing high. I was like so tense. Every time I hit a high note, I would clench. I couldn't release it. I physically couldn't release it until I released the the internal experiences that I, I had let influence me over the years. I mean, I think that's true for me, you know, any situation you've ever had, or definitely I had where I would have viewed it as maybe not the best experience or it didn't come out as well as I'd hoped for, you kind of live with those thoughts in your head, which prevents your actions from taking a different path. If you are worried, it's going to happen again. So I think that's very right. true. It, to me, like what's interesting about your situation was, you know, you figured it out for dance. You kind of figured it out for singing for a while. And then you started doing live streaming and then it happened again. So it's almost like every new thing kind of brought it back to the forefront for you. Wow. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, that makes sense to me because like even in speaking, when people come to me, um, some of them are feel totally comfortable speaking in front of a crowd, but get them in front of a camera mm -hmm. and they freak out, or vice versa. Or some people are, you know, you would assume that people are comfortable speaking to five or, or three people, let's say, but maybe not five or 10 or 25. Some people are comfortable speaking to a thousand people, being on stage, blinded by lights. <laughs> but they can't speak to a room yeah, of five. It's, it's so interesting how it shows so up, right, fantastic. for everybody. That's right, it shows up in different ways and for different um, reasons. And, but the, the common thing is speaking is our human design. So if there's somewhere in our life that we don't feel comfortable, whether it's sharing at a networking where people are going around and introducing <laughs> themselves, or if it's in a meeting or asking for a raise or, or speaking on the stage, wherever that is that you don't feel comfortable, let's mm -hmm. find out why, mm -hmm. investigate it. Because what I discovered is that the fear of speaking is not random. It's not a random emotion without a cause. It's always pointing to something. 
So that's wow. the investigation. I love that. Yeah, I know. We, and we did some journaling in your class and it was really helpful for me just to think about, you know, kind of the why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm way more comfortable, obviously, than I was at the beginning of uh, this journey in my business. It was just not something I ever wanted to do. I didn't want to be on camera. I didn't want to talk. Uh, I didn't even want my picture out there, to be honest with you. I would put other people's stuff out and not my own. So I've definitely had my own journey. And just to be an observer of that for myself sometimes is like, wow, you just did that. And you would have never done that two years ago even. So I think we all are on this journey to let go of some of the old fears, work through whatever situations may have held us back and and just be our authentic selves and get out there in the world and, and share, which is great. Yeah, I love that you say that to be our authentic selves because I feel that once we get over the fear, then we can begin the journey of becoming mm-hmm. our authentic selves. Right. Because when, you've, when we've lived our life worried about other people and trying to fit in and play by the rules and all of these things that impact us from knowing exactly who we are, what we think and how we feel and and feeling free enough to to share that. Mm -hmm. That's when we are able to, once we're over the hump of that fear, then we're able to explore what does it mean to be our authentic selves? And that's fun. That's really fun. Do you think that's what prevents people from maybe sharing accomplishments in a bigger way, like all of this fear or past experiences? Yes, and I also think it has a lot to do with the messages that we have absorbed because, mm. you know, messages are interesting because they're they're almost like shortcuts to ideas that haven't been thoroughly thought through. So like we hear things like, don't brag, don't be arrogant, don't be immodest, don't draw attention to yourself. Um, keep your head down, do good work and you'll be noticed. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you can think of 10 more things that we have heard. But what that leaves us with, especially as children who haven't developed our critical thinking yet, it's like, well, why? What's wrong with bragging? And if you dive into it more, it may be that, well, we don't like people who only talk about themselves. Well, that's a different issue. Or we don't like people who exaggerate their, their accomplishments. Well, that's a different issue. To me, sharing our accomplishments is a metaphor for several things. I mean, one, on a very surface level, it's really important in the workplace because how are you going to you know, um, ask for a salary raise or a promotion or to work on a special project without people knowing what your value is and being able to share it. That's, that's a given. But beyond that, let's say for us to be able to honor the work we do, which also means accepting it and, and celebrating it, that's, that's a deeper, almost soul work. And that all of our efforts are worthy of celebration. And so that when we share our accomplishments, it's actually about being authentic and sharing what's meaningful to us and what we we feel proud of. And I think that we need to be taught in how to share our accomplishments. And for some reason, we 
in fact get the opposite. We feel hindered, we feel inhibited because we're afraid of this thing of not wanting to seem braggadocious, right? And so we, we miss out not only in being able to let other people in, but letting ourselves be in on the celebration of what we do. Yeah, I think that's true about the messages. You know, for me, it was, you know, perfectionistic, try to be perfect, try to do all the right things. And part of that, I think, for me was to avoid criticism and to, you know, hide a bit, right? If I don't stand out too much, then I can hide. And I just, I think it's just so sad, right? There's so many great things that people are doing. And if they're not talking about them, nobody knows, which is, you know, really disappointing for them and frustrating, I'm sure. And they just don't know how to do it. Yes, yes. So I'm so glad you're talking about this. I think it's so important. Yeah. And that's why it's also important to go going back to what we were talking about earlier about clearing away the impacting experiences we've had. If we've been judged or hurt or shamed or ridiculed or pressured to perform or be perfect, you know, in order to feel good enough, then these things are going to to be obstacles in our, our way of being our mm -hmm. authentic selves. Yes, that's definitely been part of my journey for sure. <laughs> Mine too. <Yeah. laughs> so how do you build a relaxed presence when you speak that's authentically you? The first thing I, I go to is physically connecting with ourselves. So being able to, to bring our mental attention inside our body and, and feel the position of our body, our breath, how we are connecting our feet on the floor or our bottoms on the chair or our arms on the table. So really <laughs> tangibly feeling into our bodies. From that place, you can also notice your, your degree of relaxation or tension. And if you feel like you have excess tension, you may be able to invite some of that to let go. If you feel like you want to bring more energy and effort into your expression, you can also do that. So it's not about, be, we don't want to be a blob. We don't want to be like, we don't want to be sleeping and we don't want to put other people to sleep. Expressing ourselves does take energy just like any other activity, but we don't want to feel like it's excessive tension. So it's kind of like in my book, I talk about um, when I was, building a room in my house with this carpenter and he, we were hammering in nails and I kept banging the nails in the wrong direction or missing the nail and I was like getting tired. And, and then I looked over at this guy and you know, when someone knows how to do something well, any kind of thing well, it looks effortless because, yeah. and it's not be, because they're not putting right. in effort, they could be putting tremendous power in it, but they do it in a way that doesn't meet um, friction or you utilizes the friction. And, and that's how we wanna be able to feel when we express ourselves that it, of course it uses our energy, but it doesn't, we don't meet up against things that are going to stop us like, oh, I shouldn't do that, or I shouldn't say right. that, or I shouldn't like be that way, but rather that we lean into whatever our body wants to express in that moment. So 
The first thing is connecting with your body. The second thing is connecting with what you want to say and how you want to express it. So, which is also physical because speaking is a physical activity and it's not just a mental activity, it's a whole body activity. We speak from our whole bodies. And if you connect with yourself and then you feel yourself as a whole body speaking, you have more chance to bring life to the words as you are saying them, which helps anchor you, but it also helps the people listening to you because what you're doing is you are, you're being like a tour guide, directing them to what is important, what needs to be emphasized, what needs to be taken in by the way you say the words. Oh, that's a great metaphor, like a tour guide <laughs> to, to help them. I love that metaphor. Yes. So when we're speaking, we are honoring the meaning of what we want to say by the way we say it, which which is a gift for the people listening because they get to understand more of what's important what they should be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Plus, I actually get to hear the message in the best way, right? Without yes. all that. Yes. I remember when I, I'll just tell on myself a little bit here. So when I went to my first conference and I had to speak, I remember that I just would stop breathing. I just talked as fast as I could and with as much as I could before I had to like do that before. It was just painful. And uh, it took me a long time to get past that and realize that, Obviously, that's not helpful to the audience. What did you do? What helped you to make the shift? Uh, actually, it was probably, I, if I would known you at that point, I probably would have learned a lot. <laughs> but at that time, it was redirecting something back to the audience first before I even, like I would introduce myself, but then I would ask them a question. And that redirection back to them, instead of just staring at me and waiting for me to start, helped calm me for some reason. And so I started doing that in every one of those conferences that I spoke at because I was in a room of, you know, 150, 200 people or on a stage in the middle of a, I don't know, conference center that's got a bunch of stuff going on and you're trying to get their attention. And so I would always try to give it back to them first just to get some input, to ask a question. And it just, I don't know, something about that helped me calm down. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. And that was wonderful how you were able to find... (laughs) A tool like that. Well, because you are, you are, you are literally giving yourself space and you are also giving yourself the opportunity to listen. Right. 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 By asking the question. So by listening, you are putting, you're dropping into a different part of your, your physical system. That's true. I never thought about it that way. Right. That's really right. Yeah. There's a lot of learnings along the way. (laughs) through that experience. Yeah, I think that's very cool that you did that. I think that's brilliant. I I may borrow that from you. Well, feel free. Take it. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to share. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I like to do with all of my guests is go through what I call the Rise Up and Be Visible Quick Tips. So a series of questions, kind of rapid fire to kind of get your input. So I would love to get that started with you. Okay, great. So first one, fill in the blank. Visibility is? Visibility is connecting with yourself and letting others see that. So I, obviously that, that mirrors back what I was talking about, about the movement before. And I, I think that's really true for us as we, we, 
we connect with ourselves to see what our truth is and we allow ourselves to be seen and heard from that place. I also feel like, you know, there are different levels to visibility. Obviously, another one that is totally relevant is putting yourself in places where others can come across you. Because if now this may be different in the workplace than as an entrepreneur or an author, but if if people don't know you exist, you can't help them. So it's about letting the chances of people seeing that you exist expand a little bit. And so it's expanding the space where you allow yourself to be seen and heard. Yeah, that's a great way to phrase it. I mean, definitely was my story in corporate, just trying to get in front of the right decision makers to let them know what my capabilities and value were so that they may decide to put me in charge of something bigger or get a promotion. And I think that's what I'm trying to share with as many people as possible because it's easier than you think. You know, I made it really complicated in my head and it's way easier. You know, it's just sharing some of the things like you talked about earlier, just sharing information in a way that they can hear it and see it about you and being seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, next one is, do you have advice or a tip that you could share with the listeners on what you have done to be visible? I would say that there are different levels of visibility and there are different times that you want to be visible. So every time we put our, our words to paper, our, every time we open our mouths to speak, we are letting ourselves be visible. So it can be small things like sending an email or writing a post or making a video, which is bigger, or running, making a course or speaking on podcasts or speaking in front of a group or writing articles. All these things are different levels or different ways that we can be visible. And my tip is to feel for what you have the capacity for in a given time. So I'm, I'm personally an introvert, so there are times that I just wanna get away from it all, and I do pull back. I um, love to be on TikTok. I have a lot of followers there. It's been great for me. I've, I've gotten clients, I've gotten book buyers, um, I've gotten um, invitations to train at, at um, companies from that. But for the last six weeks, I have not posted. And I gave myself that space because I needed it. And I think that mm -hmm. personally, I would advise people to not feel like they're a slave to their visibility, but to, to see mm -hmm. what you have capacity for at any given time in your life, depending on what else is going on. Yeah. Give yourself some grace to just have mm -hmm. space for you. I love that. Yeah. What is one piece of leadership or career advice that you received that helped you the most? I think that the biggest aware, new awareness, I remember when I, I, I don't know if it was an article I read or a book or someone, I heard someone say it about different leadership styles. I felt that was really freeing because it gave the idea that we have space to define who we are and how we are as leaders. And <clears throat> you can look up on Google lead, different leadership styles and, oh my gosh, I mean, everybody has their own list of seven or 10 or eight or four or whatever. I think it, the more of the, those things are just guidelines. The truth is we are all individual and we create our own personal leadership style. And I think that mm -hmm. is important to know that we don't have to be an expert. We don't need to know everything in order to have influence. 
we, if we are a good listener, if we're a great observer, if we know how to connect people, if we positively reflect things to other people, you can have a great impact on others. So I, I feel like that was very freeing for me. And the other one that I would like to share is one of the first business courses I was in, it was called Conscious Business Design. The, the coach said, make friends with the people who you are in this class with, because in a few years, you will be the oh, leaders together. That's amazing. <laughs> and I think about that all the time. And I think of that with you, Sue. I mean, here we are. We are authors yeah. now and we, you know, we're out there in the world yes. and sharing it on a new level. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's amazing. What a community, right? That yeah. I think you can create community with whoever you're with. I've joined some other groups and created communities there of people that are supporters too. And I think our top three book workshop community will always be, you know, kind of a foundational group for us to leverage and ask questions, but mm-hmm. always our supporters mm-hmm. and supporters for each other. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, last question. Might be a hard one. I don't know. <laughs> what... <laughs> What is a book that you would recommend to the listeners that you've read recently? I am currently in the book called Swagger by Leslie M. E.H.M. And I really am enjoying this book. I thought I would have a little resistance to, you know, hearing the word swagger all the time. But what it's about is how to be yourself as you are with your flaws, with your quirks, with your feelings and in the workplace and have mm. that be the a way that you become even more impactful, more influential at work. That are that rather than needing to fit in, what the workplace really needs is for us to own, honor, accept, and find graceful ways to express all these different parts <laughs> of ourselves to become more naturally you and me. Oh, wow. Well, that sounds like a perfect book for everybody to read. Doesn't it? You know, I, you know, I, I, mean, I, I do that. recommend it. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I feel like it fits into both your work and mine. I, I totally agree, 100%. Wow. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I have a speaker empowerment kit that I would love to share with people. It's oh. it's a, a bundle of three different mental rehearsals, which is a way of like envisioning how you want to feel and how you want to see yourself as you speak on stage or if you're on camera or doing that introduction in a networking or workshop situation. Mm-hmm. And you can get that at empowermentkit.me. Lovely. That's awesome. I, I yeah. didn't know you were doing that. And otherwise, you can find me everywhere at, with my name, <laughs> Linda Ugolo, Linda, U-G-E-L-O-W, on all social media that, and my website. That's awesome. That's well, I name. will definitely include all of those so they can find it easily in the show notes. Um, but thanks for sharing that. I love that you have that kit out there. I think that's really helpful. And, and not a lot of people are thinking about doing that before they're speaking, right? Like getting into that moment. So amazing. Yeah, well, Olympic athletes do it. Right, we right. can do They're it all too. about visualization and preparing. And yeah, we need to apply more of that to the workplace, I think, just to help us all. Well, thank you so much for being here, Linda. I have totally loved, and every time I talk to you, I feel like I learn something new. And I hope the listeners have learned something today that 
they can take away and really check out her information and check out her TikTok when she gets back on. She is so good at it. And I just, um, I'm learning a lot from her. She is not afraid to brave the new social media at any time. She has done it all her life. So definitely check her out on there. What's, what's your TikTok? Is it your name? Linda, Linda Ugolo, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being here. And thank you everyone for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor podcast.